Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One unbelievable Gwenpool. One radioactive spider Gwen. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I am your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much, much more. This is episode 164. That's a, that's a number. It's good. We're getting up there. Mm-hmm. When are they gonna, when are they gonna make, uh, the Gwen Stacy version of, uh, this is going to be Gwen Tub. I don't. I, Earl Tub. Yeah. Gwen I, Tub. I get. I don't know. I don't think they're going to have a crossover. I think it's going to happen. You are flabbergasted by that. I, I, I'm, I'm trying just, to like. I'm trying to think of like how that would. How is that? Don't, well, I don't. I don't. It's Jason Latour. Yeah, I know that, but that does not. I don't. Those, God, you're. This is really just like turns. <laughs> <your brain. laughs> okay, you stop <laughs> making that noise. That's that's unacceptable. Hey, Ansemites out there, uh, we are here once again. We got a great show for you for Nerbo Book Club. We'll be discussing Tetris, the games people play by Box Brown. Talk about some video games. Never do that mm-hmm. here. Nah, you've never talked about never. video games ever. <laughs> you, never. you don't. You don't always do that forever. Not always. No, pretty always. Seventy-five percent. Yeah, that's a that's a, a pro, a, a pro, approximately correct. Uh, before we get there, we got comic books that came out this very week to talk about. Eric, are you ready for that? I uh, will be as soon as I log in. Go for it. <laughs> it is time for weekly floppies. Weekly Floppies is at the bar of the show, and Eric and I will talk about a selection of this week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. There is a mush meter involved if we are partil- if we are feeling particularly mushy. It goes from one to five. We've got not five, but six books this week, because I had to, had to, had to. Had to. Had to. Our first book is Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye, number one. It's not the most succinct of titles. Is it is. It? it is not quite. Uh, it's Gerard Way's weird. That's he, what I've. That's what I read that title, and that's that's what I landed on. Yeah, it, written by Gerard Way and John Rivera. Cover and art by Michael Ivan Emming. Cover and interior colors by Nick Flarty. Letters by Clem Robbins. This is another one of the young animal books. Uh, their names are their names are the other way on the cover. They are. I I don't know. I I I, I don't know. Uh, uh, this is a strange. Another. All these books are strange. Do you think Cave Carson is a cousin to Cave Johnson? No, I don't think so. I don't think. I think no relation. Okay. I mean, Cave Carson's a good name, though. Mm-hmm. He goes to cave. He goes underground. His name's Cave Carson. He, he does. It's not just a clever name. But he spelunks. This. I I had no I had no idea what this is going to be. Yeah, going into it, and it has like the it it is from the era of stuff that like the Venture Brothers draw, yeah, draw, it's, draws it's, inspiration it's, from. It's and, Johnny Questish. Yeah, it's it's Doc um, Savage. 
Doc Savage-ish as pulp, well. Pulp hero. Pulp hero, yeah. Yeah, man, super science man, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say. Uh, but it also reminds me of Starlight uh, in a certain way because that is also kind of a pulp hero dealing with the loss of someone. Starlight, the uh, Malar Parloff book that we read. Correct. Okay. And I'm glad I was able to remember that. that I mean, that is 100% correct. You've got yeah. all those things correct. Uh, it remind because it is another. He is like a a a, a slightly aged, not as old as uh the main character in not Starlight, as, but his name was right. Yeah, lose. He has also lost his wife, in which circumstances were not necessarily. I I think it's illness, right? They they allude to yeah. some sort of illness that he couldn't find science for, but he's trying to deal with that. He's also has a haunted eyeball. Haunted. I don't know. It's it's there's. Something's wrong his with it. Cy- his cybernetic eyeball, mm-hmm. you mean? It has ghost ghost science in there. I don't. I I do remember it being kind of ill-defined and squishy. That's. I mean, it. But not it, not like ghost. I mean, certainly like has a life of its own and does what it wants. Like it, he's at he's at dinner with his daughter and she's like it's scanning me and he's like it does what it wants. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's how I read it. I don't know. Like, where do you get? Where do you get ghost? I just, I don't mean haunted as in necessarily like there's, I don't mean haunted in the proper definition. I mean haunted in that it is spooky. Mm. It's spooky. I think it's spooky. I like this book. I think it's really interesting. I think it is as completely um, batshit crazy as it is. It's probably the most clear cut of all these young animal books that we've read. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think they've kind of gotten more coherent. This is the most coherent, and probably Doom Patrol is the least, which is weird because um, Shade the Changing Girl was weird as shit, but I I do think that Doom Patrol was even more opaque to me. This is is a fun book. Um, I feel like the colorist needs to lay off that halftone filter. (laughs) What? I was just going to, I, I think, uh, I mean, you have Emming doing the art and he's, yeah. I don't, he's a, a veteran. Mm. I, I think that maybe his influence is there in the storytelling on making things clear. Yeah. I think that that's probably some, some of that in there. Uh, also in, in the same, in the same way that this is, I, I feel like this also has a clearer a point of view perspective than all those other books like right. this one like i like i mentioned like this dude is dealing with the loss of his wife and you know his daughter growing up and all that yeah there's all monsters in this and like the the metal men are in are in here for you know we get cameos like hey remember this is technically in the dc universe don't forget uh they mentioned superman a couple times too uh but it's it's mostly like dwelling in that, and I think that's it grounds it in amidst all the craziness. And there's a naked dude at the end, which I wasn't sure why they're. I, I how are you reading what he's saying? I'll bring the dog. I'm I'm reading that as that he's that's like I don't know. I'm I'm guessing that's like his his alter ego mm-hmm. that he's like yeah. Casey Jones slash the Punisher. Yeah, that's. I mean, I. I get all that. I just, I do. He just seems to be cr- showing him just completely naked 
I mean, he has mm-hmm. scars. I mean, that's what it's for. Just like, hey, he's scarred up. He's a fighter. He's I, like- I, I think his uh, his superhero costume is hockey shirt with no pants. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be, I mean, it catch people off guard. <laughs> it certainly would. They'd be like, whoa. And he shoots them in the face. He's holding, a, that dude has an assault rifle and he's flopping about. Okay, what do I do? Flopping about. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's 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 good. That's funny. And then we get a, a, a there there is a a backup story, a Wonder Twins backup story. I really thoroughly liked that. I thought it was really fun to read. It was uh, very uh, Windsor McKay, although I don't know why it turned into a uh, a Joker story. I I don't. It's yeah. I I like how it looks. It it, it it's a it's a. Uh, Tom uh, Scioli, Scioli, one of the two. Uh, I don't know, but it has. I don't. I, I'm. I'm curious. I think the like the yellow pages is supposed to make you know. I imagine it's supposed to make you feel like it's an older. You're reading an old comic. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, but it it, it looks a, like most of the stuff that Tom Scioli does looks like that. Mm-hmm. I, I also enjoyed it for what it was. It's like three pages long, so it's not like it's a yeah. huge investment. But uh, I like this book. I think it's actually. I think I like the total package of this out most out of any of the. I think all the young animal books have a certain appeal in different mm-hmm. ways. I think this one is probably the one I'm most likely to follow, you know, on a consistent basis. I'm a buy. I I believe I agree with you. No, this is a this is a this is a nice fun book. I'll bring the dog. <laughs> the dog is me. Okay, it's it's me without pants. <laughs> it's me. I don't wear pants when I'm the dog. Dogs don't wear pants. Dogs don't wear pants. <laughs> God, you're right out of your mind. Uh, it's been a long day. Fair enough. I've been out you in the cold. Long, uh, you had a long day of buying Sasquatch shirts and beef jerky guns. <laughs> Man, killing time at Cabela's is a strange thing. Uh, our next book, that's a double buy on Cape Carson has a cybernetic eye. Number one. Next up is Trinity. Number two. Written and drawn by Francis Manipal, uh, yeah, script, art, and cover. Steve Wands on letters. Uh, we were we had pretty we were pretty happy with the first issue of this. I thought we could at least follow up and see see where this mystery goes and how it you know all that. How do you feel, Eric? Do you like this one more or less? Um, I I definitely enjoy it. I don't remember walking away from that last issue thinking oh shit now they're back in time it did uh did i just forget that it didn't necessarily say that explicitly but i think it was it was suggested that the mm-hmm. the, the barn was a time portal of some sort okay. i do i i kind of feel like it kind of helps the story to come into the first couple of pages a li- like just feeling jarred like i feel like that's definitely intentional you know, like you don't quite know what's going on. Superman's holding his own father dead or something, and then young Superman punches himself in the face. It's, it, it's a weird place to start that book. I I I enjoy it. It's not um, it's not the most like nuanced or amazing uh story or shape of a story i mean it's poison ivy taking on the trinity which is kind of a weird thing yeah any unknown another 
assailant that's in the past, I guess, or has created this time bubble or something that she alludes yeah. to, but we don't know what that is. Uh, Poison Ivy is a, it's a, was not the villain I was, ex- uh, not a villain I was expecting. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's necessarily a good or bad thing at this point. I feel like I was a little disappointed that it went just straight to like, hey, here's an established villain, you know, mm-hmm. thing. I like, I was hoping this would be a little bit more heady. You know, which is most I mean, yeah. most of this issue is that it is very much like, hey, it's like the Trinity hanging around with you know Soup's dad. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what I was gonna drive at. That I I think that the, the 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 sort of plot side of this story is not that strong. Like this is not like an amazing like masterpiece of of storytelling or anything. But I do think that I do think that that Manipal has a very strong grasp on the characters, you know, they all act the way that you expect them to act. Like it, it, you, you, plenty of people have written these characters and it just doesn't feel right, but it's like reading the all-star Superman. You're like, yes, this is my Superman. Like this, this feels like not too different from that Superman. You know, this Batman feels not too different from the correct Batman. <laughs> you know, like it, even like, even like, um, oh, what's, uh, what's Pa Kent's first name? I would have known that until you asked me, and now I don't know. Perfect. Uh, uh it is. M- Mr. Kent. Mr. It's Mr. Mr. Kent. Yes. Here, this is what I'm Googling. Superman's dad. Yeah, that'll that'll get you oh, the answer. Thanks, Google. It's Jarl. That's good. Thank you, Jonathan. Bullshit. Jonathan. It's Jonathan Kent. Jarl. Fuck you, Google. <laughs> his real dad, <laughs> not his biological father. Stupid fucking Google. He sent him off in a rocket getting, ship. Getting political. <laughs> <laughs> gonna make Krypton great again. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I. I. Yes. I agree with you. I think. Just having these, I don't know, like, I, this is a, a a low bar, but just having these three just coexist and, like, be peaceful together and not, aren't, there's no punching. Like, it's just mm-hmm. them talking and, and solving, trying to figure out this mystery of this, the weird time distortion thing. Um, and Manipal's art is still great. Mm. It, it, it still looks really, really good. Um. I don't know. It, 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 I don't know. I was, I was, I, maybe my expectations were a little too high expecting a superhero comic book with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman in it to be like some weird metaphysical exploration about time and, and memories and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not, not about, hey, Poison Ivy's captured them. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can only hope for so much. Not, not everything is, uh, going to be a triple A title. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively pleased when it doesn't make me want to hang myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a buy on Trinity number two. Yeah, me too. Double buy. Next up, time for double Batman. Mm-hmm. The doublest of Batmans. It is Batman number nine, written by Tom King. Art no, we'll see pencils and inks by um, Michael Janin. I've never I've never heard if it's Michael or Mikel. He he worked on Grayson too, uh, with Tom King. Uh, June Chung on colors. Clayton Cowles on letters. Uh, we are, apparently this is like kicking off, like apparently Tom King says like three big th- events or, or things are spiraling, spiraling out of this. Uh, we see, I don't know, we see Tom King's Bane. We mm-hmm. get 
we get Batman walking through the Arkham, assembling some nefarious team that he is uh, working with Amanda Waller on. Tom King writes a good Batman. I, I I like this a lot more than I thought I would. I mean, considering it's just grumpy, scowly Batman. I, I like. I have. I I feel like there's like a like you mentioned in just in just now like the proper Batman voice. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like there's a time for grumpy, scowly Batman, mm-hmm. and there's a time for like no like compassionate like. When he's with Gotham Girl, like in the mansion, he's a di- different, different voice. And I feel like Batman is that, like that. I I think of the Batman the animated series about how oh I can't think the voice actor's name now. Um, Kevin. Yeah, Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Yes. Uh, like he really, I think, demonstrated that like the difference between Bruce Wayne voice and Batman voice. There's not a. It's not a huge difference, but it's there, and. That's when Batman's in Arkham Asylum. I'm assuming he's he's like putting on like he's like ten, he's like flexing constant, like just a constant mm-hmm. full flex. Yes. <laughs> and I I don't know that you get a lot of weird obscure villains popping up in this. Uh, and I, I like the fact that a lot of the team are just like these weirdos. And spoilers, you get whatever happened to Selena Kyle. I don't know what. Yeah, that's that's uh that's an interesting little note to end on, isn't it? Yeah, but that uh, she's in Arkham for two hundred and thirty-seven murders. Yeah, which has we don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. We'll find out probably, but I don't know. I've I I think his I also really enjoy his Bane. We only get a few pages of of his of Tom King's Bane, but I feel like that is that voice for Bane is really really good too. Okay. No, I enjoyed that too. I think it's weird that Catwoman has got a face full of makeup and she was wearing a a, a Silence of the Lambs mask. She, I I bet I wouldn't pa- put it past Selena Kyle to have permanent makeup. Yeah, fair enough. That's that's the only way I can explain that. Otherwise, it's just like, hey, she's Catwoman. She needs she should always look like she's mm-hmm. go- going to a party. Uh, she's a pretty lady. Yeah, I, and also, uh, you know. This is, I think, the first uh, issue of Batman with Janin on art. I it looks really good. I he was great on Grayson, and it looks really good here. Yeah, I do feel like he's using he's using that that poser models, and he's using the SketchUp and the three D models and stuff. That's my only complaint about him. I think his handle on the characters is really well, but I feel like it's I'm seeing it too much in in comics nowadays. The, the people using the 3D modeling software and composing their panels that way. It just feels too cheaty to me. Can I can I ask you this then, Eric? This is, this is purely for my curiosity. Mm-hmm. In your mind, what is the difference mm-hmm. between... I mean, I see... Like, I follow Paulo Rivera on Twitter. Yeah. And he yeah. constantly posts pictures of himself doing, like, reference. Like, he will mm-hmm. pose his body in a way that he needs to draw a character. And then he'll use that. What is the difference in your mind to using that as like uh, a a base versus uh, one of those programs? This looks traced. Okay. That's that's where I draw the line. I mean, if you have a bunch of bodies posed and you're using like it's a different thing, you know? Like if I created like a a landscape in SketchUp or something and I had it next to 
the thing and then I redrew it based on that, that's fine. I think like to make a piece of art, you kind of want to let the flaws in a little bit. Like I think it's you don't want to make it too perfect. It just looks it just looks rough, you know, it just looks too cold. Rough's the opposite of the word that I want. It just looks cold and machine-like precision and it just I don't I don't like no it. No room for you know? no room for, you know, the those humanity. Mhm. The imperfection of the human hand is uh how I've a, a friend said that's that's a thing he said many times. But I um it, it it's not as fun to see how someone traces something that a computer does. Like if you look at this Arkham Asylum like widespread, I mean, yeah, that looks nice, but like that's a bunch of Photoshop and that's I mean that's I don't know, that's not a comic page to me. It still looks nice, but I think that he probably should have drawn eighty percent more than he's drawn. It looks like a lot of stuff was laid in. But I mean, fuck it, whatever. You know, if you're doing like is this bi monthly? Yes, two issues a month. I can I can't criticize the guy too much, but I kinda I I don't want that's not a sacrifice that I'm prepared for. You know, mm-hmm. for people to have to take a cheat like that, because it's it is a cheat in my eyes. You know, I I don't want people fucking tracing poser models. It's it, you can look at these faces and these bodies and think, well, that's just too regular. It's they're too similar and it's too perfectly posed in space. I would I would rather just see this guy draw because I'm sure he can draw very well. I feel like there were plenty of uh, issues of Grayson that he was also doing that didn't look quite this much, quite this deep into that. And I, like this last page with Selena Kyle, it just looks like it's just fucking drawn. And I love the way it looks, but whatever. I it, it's a lot of criticism for a book that has to come out twice a month. Yeah, like, with that's two, with the uh, and on top, like that's even with two artists, you know, trading yeah. arcs, but. Still, double Batman. You gotta have your double Batman. Mm-hmm. So, it's too much. It is a lot. Yeah. I do like so reading I, Batman twice a month, but I also don't like artists only, being. Yeah. Like, run roughshod. No, exactly. I only like reading Batman twice a month when it's good Batman. This is like good Batman. This. Yeah. This is good. No, Tom King does a, a, a magnificent Batman so far. This has been a tremendous amount of fun. Like, it. Dude, it seems like we just started reading that thing uh, with Gotham Girl, and that was seven issues ago, eight issues ago, mm-hmm. eight issues ago. This is number nine. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy to me. Well, the, well, twice a month makes it, it comes fast. I guess so. Um, but I'm a buy on Batman number nine. Yeah, absolutely. Double buy, Batman number nine. Next up, more Batman. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, Dark Knight Three: The Master Race, number six, story by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, pencils by Andy Kubert, inks by Klaus Janson, colors by Brad Anderson, letters by Clem Robbins. Is it just me, or does this one feel worse? I don't think it feels worse at all. Okay. You know, I I read through it and I'm like, oh yeah, we're back here. I I don't know. I liked this. It's not, it didn't go into like, hey, this is bad or anything, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, it, there was a significant 
delay between issues five and six, and I don't know. Of course. I don't know if that had anything, anything to do with anything. Uh, but I read this issue and it feels a little weird. I don't, I can't pinpoint it necessarily. It's, it's very, like some, it, it feels a little a bit off of what it was. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't know what necessarily what it is. It doesn't make me, like I was, kind of really like every issue I was like wow this is still really good and maybe it's just my expectations have finally caught up to me like it's been a long this has been out long enough that I go oh well I know what it is it's not going to surprise yeah. me anymore I'd say the only difference in this is like the tides turning you know yeah that it's been I don't know it's been all rising action and you know this is when it starts to turn around for them I, I I legitimately have no problem with it. I think it's a lot of fun. Seeing Superman in that weird, gross costume is so strange to me. Batman in his fat suit. <laughs> uh, th- that backup story. Uh, what 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 did you like about it? I I I don't know the all the art. <laughs> Frank of course, Miller's, <laughs> Frank Miller's art is baffling at some point. No, it's that's the correct way to look at it. The posing of of the of of uh, what's she? Supergirl? Is that what she's going by? I forget what. what, I, what yeah, I don't know. I forget what title she was going by. Uh, Wonder Woman, Superman's daughter. I don't. It, no, it's it's horrifying. I did, like, and both her and uh, Batgirl, their posing is just constantly like knees up to the chest, like seventy five percent of the time, and I just and then land. I don't know it, but that it's. That that is not why I'm reading this comic. I am not buying this comic to read the backup story that Frank Miller. Uh, mm. All the backup stories have been very good, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I didn't. I like the la- the last one, not tremendously. This one I don't think is the the absolute best either. Um, but like the first one or two. Yeah. I mean, really, I like this Wonder Woman, and I like this Supergirl or whatever she is. I, it's Superwoman? very, very interesting. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. That's the thing. It's, it's been a while since that last issue, too. It has. I don't know. It lost I a little bit. That... It lost a little momentum, I guess, as well. I feel like it has. Yeah. I mean, just having been out so long. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I'm glad that this book exists. And if, if for anything, I kind of hope that we get this weird daughter of Superman and Wonder Woman. I hope she, like they just like else world her into regular continuity because th- the absolute weirdness of it, you know, the alien nature of her, I just really, really enjoy. I think she's a character. Oh, what's the, what's, uh, what's this Robin's name? This Robin slash super or uh Batgirl. Which Carrie what Kelly is, what is, or Barbara? Yeah, Carrie, Carrie Kelly. Okay. No, Barbara's not this Batgirl, is she? There's Barbara's. Is is Barbara even in this? Who's where's Barbara at? No, I'm the no. I, I wasn't sure if you're talking about the backup story or the. Well, I, who is that? Who is that? Is that not Carrie Kelly or whatever her name is? I can never remember. I was relatively sure that's the grown-up Robin from Dark Knight Returns because she's got the slingshot. Yes, that's right. See, I'm now. I'm, I'm also losing track of all these things. That's okay. There's too many Batman's. Too many Batmans. There's a lot of Batmans. A lot of Robins. Mm-hmm. A lot of Batgirls. I guess that's true. 
I'm I'm gonna say I'm a Bob and I'm a I'm a mush meter one. That's my feeling. I'm gonna go with my gut. Well, your feeling is wrong. <laughs> Just a buy. Of course. I'm, I do not assume anything with you, Eric. You're a man of mystery. Eh, you know that's how you get them. What's them? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just wanted to say it. I'm being mysterious. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I can't, I can't, when I call you a man of mystery, then you're mysterious. I can't really fault you for that. Uh, nope. our, our, that's a double buy mush meter of, of a point five. Our next book up is Infamous Iron Man, number one, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art Alex Maleev, colors Matt Hollingsworth, letters and production Clayton Cowles. Uh, well, we know what happens in the Civil War too now, I guess. <laughs> for the most part. There's no Tony Stark's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't. We don't know how precisely, but I mean. Well, it's in an event that probably hasn't quite happened yet. That it's supposed to. I'm have, sure but it is didn't. dumb as hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we have clean, handsome Doom mm-hmm. picking up the mantle of Iron Man. I'm really curious what you think about this. I like this issue. <laughs> I am. I, that is curiouser and curiouser. I'm holding on to like I'm gripping. I'm just like, come on, Bendis. Oh, can you write a Doom? Can you write Doom consistently? Like good? Like I don't know. Like Bendis is all like sitcom, you know, and and television writer style where it's just like strings of dialogue and stuff. Doom is not like he's he's he goes back and forth between like three word proclamations and like long pontifications about the nature of something it, it there and it goes there's no in between really with doom and his voice i just like we talk about the batman voice i have a very particular voice for doom in my head what what percentage of it is just richards a good percentage a pretty yeah, heavy I, a pretty I think heavy it's, it's it's pretty important but Nothing on nothing in this comic book set off the alarm. It never went like, "Oh no, what is happening?" Like this is all very. I like. I'm curious where they're going to go with this. Like it, I want it. Like that's it's an interest. Like, what do you do in a like this comic book is kind of addressing the fact. Like, what do you do with a Doctor Doom where there is no Reed Richards? Mm-hmm. Like you, it's hard to do a good. Like those two are so important to each other in the, the Marvel universe. Yeah, it's kind of like writing a Joker without the Batman. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do you do that and make it interesting? And making him a hero, maybe? I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I'm interested to see where this goes and I'm, I'm hopeful. And I'm finding, (laughs) sorry, I do, I, Mm. I was going to say it's also interesting to me that Tony Stark is gone, but yet there's an AI that is exactly him little bit trying to eat your cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you going to say, Eric? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, nothing. Oh, okay. You're a beautiful man. Oh. Like Dr. Doom? Uh, Victor the Handsome, just like in 1602. And he was Victor Presentable. <laughs> Victor Presentable. And then, and then, and then Victor Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> then Victor Gruesome. Oh, and God. finally, Victor Doom. You're a special, special boy. I'm a buy on this. Why? I, why is why is Director Hill covered in, in uh, original flavor bubble gum? <laughs> I don't know because because is that the Tinkerer? Is that who that is? 
I couldn't the tell fixer, you. It's it's one of those Fantastic Four villains because of that. Because it's I I kind of like the that goofy kind of throwback to mm-hmm. those old villains who were paste pot Pete stupid mm-hmm. stuff like that. You made me say paste pot Pete. I did. You terrible person. Are you? Do you need me to say the word bye? I do need you to say the word bye. I I enjoy this book. I uh, it does it makes me happy. I I I I don't know. Honestly, I think I'm kind of the opposite. That I I'm a little bit of a Doom fanboy. That if you, as long as you just don't do it really really badly, I'm gonna like it. Also, Ben Grimm, Agent of Shield. Yeah, that, I was that, gonna that, say that, that having Ben Grimm that, in a comic is also a way for me to buy it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I am I am a fan of the ever loving blue eyed thing. I'm glad that he's the first rock that dr doom as mm-hmm. iron man is going to bounce off of it's pretty great so double by infamous iron man number one next up is death of x number two written by charles soul and jeff lemeyer pencils aaron cooter inks jay leeson with cam smith and scott Hanna, colorist maury hollowell and j david ramos letters joe sabino um we uh, th- th- this come out fast and furious we just read number one they're pushing this mm-hmm. They have to have this. Uh, they have to have this shit over soon, so they can apparently launch the new X Men books in yeah January, I think. Yeah, or, yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's like I think it's going to be three, just three solid months of death, death of X, X versus mm-hmm. I, and then resurrection, and then are those the are those the name of the three events that are happening? Mm-hmm. I thought there were only two. No, there's, there's three, three events happening. Yes. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I think those, like, I don't know. I'm just tired. You're tired? I'm tired of all this fighting, of these superheroes fighting each other. Uh, I don't... I, it's, I think it's, I, I don't know. I understand what you're saying, and I think that it's kind of what you go to comics for. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I, I think it's inevitable that when you have a bunch of powerful figures in a world like this that you know things are going to happen and they're going to disagree and shit like this is i i don't know i i find this inherently interesting and i find it more interesting certainly than civil war i think this is a much better event no it's better it is better than civil war yeah i 100% agree with you it is better than civil war both you can see no, both I mean, that's these a, sides that's a, no, absolutely. That's yeah. a lower bar. Yeah. Obviously, this is the much more interesting. I I enjoy this, and I'm gonna float a. Uh, I saw this on the, the, on the Reddit. Mm-hmm. The, Ooh, the a, Reddit. The Reddit. A theory about uh, the happenings in this comic book, and I don't know. I think it's a little far fetched, but I think it is interesting. It's enough interesting to make me want to mention it. In that in that first issue, Cyclops has already died. And Emma in is in Emma is just projecting Cyclops. This is Emma's doing, and Emma is projecting Cyclops into all these people's minds. In what the last episode? In the first issue, Cyclops got sick, right? But they recovered. Oh my god! There's someone a theory floating around that he died, and but Emma. I have. It, to, oh my god, that's it, amazing. And that well, yeah, but because he totally walked out of there, he's like, I'm fine now. Yeah. And then she's like, don't, don't ask me. You're, holy shit, that's amazing. And that's, and there's, and there's a point here where the cuckoos kind of have a moment, a moment of like, what's going on? They 
and and they she says don't ask me yeah i i definitely picked up on that but jesus christ no that's interesting theory that's amazing no i i kind of hope that's what happens <laughs> because i think that's incredible yeah and i, I like it, again i have it is better than civil war the comic book itself, like all these voice, like these, the characters, like their voices are right. Like, and I like the fact that there are people on both, like people trying to actively stop this from happening. You know, they're not just going straight into like, uh, it is a, a, a small cadre of mutants, you know, the Cyclops squad with Emma and prob maybe if that's true, then Emma herself is kind of pushing for all this, which is definitely in line with Emma and her mm-hmm. wanting to be in power, um, consolidate power. So. Like, it's, I don't know. I want to really like it. I want to, like, I like all the, I like, I like the X-Men. I like the Inhumans. I want the, Mm -hmm. I want it to be good. And I, I don't know. I I think this issue is good. And I think it's better than the first one. I enjoyed the first one. I, I, this has all the right elements to me. Um, I enjoy it and I want to keep enjoying it. I, I, I sincere, I, I hope it keeps going the right direction. I think it's a good book. I'm a buy, despite myself. Yeah, I'm on board. Okay, double buy. Death of X, number two. Uh, that'll do it for Weekly Floppies this week. There's always more comic books. May just keep coming forever. Mm. Theoretically. Wait until the comic book apocalypse. Come on, back a book? I'm not going to make that <laughs> noise back at you. <laughs> not tonight. I'm I'm curtailing the silliness. Okay, good. Uh, thank this you. This is going to be a very not fun podcast. <laughs> Strictly business. Strictly business. That's us. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the bar show, and Eric and I talk about what we've been up to during the week. What we've seen, played, read, done, whatever. I finished Luke Cage. Hey, we'll just talk about that real quick. Sure. Let's talk about Luke Cage. Let's talk about spoilers. Like, like you're surprised to talk about Luke Cage. I'm not. I'm not surprised. I just. All right. But, um, uh, spoiler alert. We are gonna full on everything. Yeah. So if you've not watched Luke Cage yet, I'll try and note the times in the show notes, or you can just wait and listen for the next noise. And we'll... that was not one of them. That was not one of them. Um, I know you were fooled by <laughs> Jarabi's flawless impression. That was what it was. Um. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think I, I, I had, it was a well done, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have problems with it. Yeah. I think I've, I've had problems with basically everything that, uh, that Marvel's put out on Netflix. You know, I had some issues with Daredevil. I had some issues with Jessica Jones and I have some issues with this. I think it's probably pretty challenging to put out you know, 13 episodes of a show like this and you just have a lot larger space to go over and it's hard to keep it tight and perfect. Yeah. And I, that question you asked me last week, what I think about the, 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 the change in villains, mm-hmm. that is the core of my problem. I, I Diamondback right. inherently, there's not a problem with Diamondback, mm-hmm. but they do not do the legwork for him that they do with uh Copperhead. Yeah. Copperhead and Mariah and that their whole story was great. Like I was really intrigued by, you know, them having like their kind of sh- both their struggles with, 
you know, their legacy and all that. Like, that was really interesting. And you got to see all that. Like, you see those flashbacks to them and at different times in their lives. And, like, it seems like we got a whole bunch of flashback for that and a lot of, a lot of like, foundation laid for them as villains. Uh, even Shades. I really like Shades as a villain, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Shades a lot. As kind of like an Iago, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Diamondback, they try and paint him as like this, uh, oh, what's the villain from, well, I can't think of the name, uh, from Unusual, uh, Usual Suspects. What's the name? Kaiser Kaiser Soze. Kaiser Soze. Yeah, for. Kaiser Soze. They, like, in those, in all those same episodes where Copperhead and Mariah are like basically the villains. Yeah. You get him, he's like this mythical figure, right? They just kind of, you know, oh, Diamondback this and Diamondback that. You don't want to upset Diamondback. And then he shows up, like, like just randomly on a street, like shooting at Luke mm-hmm. Cage. And I'm just like, wait, that? And, but then also, he's also a figure from Luke Cage's past. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that can work. You can do that, but you can't just spring him on me like that. Like, it's just something like, boom, here's Diamondback, and he's creepy, but also, like, he's like this, like, a kind of a Joker kind of figure at some points, but also, like, biblical, but not, it's, like, and they, that, like, if they just, they have a past, why don't we see it? Like, I want to see, like, we get one scene of them, like, I think that's the one I remember is them boxing together. And they're- It did, it did feel pretty thrown together. And he feels pretty cheap as a villain. It yeah. it kind of feels like it kind of feels like they realized that it wasn't enough to just have Copperhead or Cottonmouth. That's Cottonmouth, not Copperhead. I was another snakes, snake names. Snakes. Yeah, Cot- all snake names. Really weird. Um, right. It it. Um, Thinking about Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a black mamba. No. Uh, it would not have been enough. That's the thing that it was already starting to feel pretty thin when it was just stretched over like five or six episodes. I'm like, okay, I mean, he could just walk into this place and kill these people and it's over. Like that could just, that could have been handled a long time ago. Like it just wrote itself. So they did kind of need to swap something out, but to, He's Diamondback is a, is essentially no different. He's mm-hmm. he's big bad. It, it's it's weird to me. He's, the, he's like exactly the same goddamn thing. They added in just physical threat, kind of with mm-hmm. the, his not even, like just because he has access to those the te- technology because he's has more money. Yeah, and I, like that also takes away the appeal of Cottonmouth to me. Cottonmouth was like appealing because he was just a dude and he's faced with Luke Cage who's basically invulnerable and that struggle between the two and that like it turned like the most interesting thing to me about this like the I would say up to about the halfway point of Luke Cage was the fact that it's not about what Luke Cage can do it's what what should he do yeah it's like well, yeah you are you are super strong you're bulletproof none of these people can hurt you it, physically but what should you do? What's the smart thing to do? And like, that's, that was interesting. But then when you just make it, like, I was really disappointed that the final episode is just like, Hey, they just have a big fight. I'm like, eh, 
That, yeah. That's not the interesting thing to me about this series. Like, Luke Mm-mm. Cage is going to, I know Luke Cage is going to win. That's not, like, that's not fun to me. It's, it's like, and he didn't have to do anything just to get in a fist fight with a dude with some fancy jacket and gloves on. I don't know. It's, it's, it was very anticlimactic. Yeah. It, it, it bored me, but it's, it's not exactly where I saw the story going, but it is not too different. You know, in the end, I think they kind of didn't have enough to just make it cotton mouth the whole time. Yeah. They didn't build, they didn't build, um, uh, diamond back up enough. I, like you said, I I wish it was, it would have been really great if we had seen at some, like scenes before they introduced Diamondback have scenes of Luke Cage with Diamondback as a kid that we don't know that's Diamondback yet, you Mm -hmm. know, and have, see their interactions and then maybe see the schism like form, like get that. I'm like, but that would have had to, they'd have had to be doing that the entire time. Like that would take too much time. I still really liked a lot of the things they did. I think the acting was good. Yes. I think No, that... the acting was good. I I uh what's his name? Mike Colton? Is it is it Mike Colton? Col Coulter, I believe. Coulter? I think so. I think that joke can't, was around about her him. It is re- it is Coulter. Re- related to Yeah, is he related related to Ann Coulter? Yeah, except their names are spelled differently. Yeah. He's forty. Dear good Lord. for him. God, he does not look good, forty. Good for him. No, he he. <laughs> He's in a, in a beautiful, immortal man. <laughs> yeah. he, you know, they they just cast actual a dude that is actually have yeah. superpowers. That's all. That was the yeah, secret. They just exactly. like they cast for Luke Cage, and they found they just happened to find a dude that actually is yes. had powers. Yeah, there's no there's there's no Photoshop in there. He's really lifting that car. <laughs> It, I, I don't like. I like the theme. I like the tone. Like, like they really did. Uh, like, mm-hmm. they did a good job of, like, above all the others. Those, like, this is like the, the Netflix shows are like the street level shows. Yeah, this actually felt like a street level Marvel show. I think my favorite character in all of this was the uh, the Congresswoman or whatever she was. Councilwoman Mariah. The Councilwoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. I just typed in Luke Cake. <laughs> These characters are really fucking different in uh, the comics. Yeah, they I'm are. Send, I'm going to send you a picture of of Black Mariah. It's really well, really offensive. She shows up in that uh the the Power Man and Iron Fist comic book. Oh really? Like that? Oh god, that's who that was. Yeah, that's who that was. That's awful. No, but that's no, that they, they yeah, and they like. I was actually had this thought when we were doing like this is like this is how you modernize Luke Cage. This is yeah like that Cage well, comic I mean, it, book. I, by... I, she was also in uh, this is interesting. She was also in the Sanford Green, and I think he did a good job of making the character not horrible. No, that's what I was talking about. But I I do really like I I like what they did with her. She's much more interesting as like. You know, she's a politician, but she's dirty. She's really trying to help her community, but she's involved in a bunch of shady stuff. Like, that is really and very interesting to me. No, that's, yeah, she was the best. Her, her arc was the most interesting of everything. Yeah. Like, she's the, like, I, and I felt like Luke actually had potential to be there with her, and then they just mm-hmm. kind of, it fell apart. Like, I feel like he had an arc, but I don't feel like it was as set. Like, it didn't reach 
Like you saw those moments where he's like apologizing to Diamondback, mm-hmm. but you don't know why. Like you just you get like these vague impressions of them as kids, and yeah, Diamondback was like you know a bastard and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but you don't because you don't see any of it. It just seems like well, yeah. But now he's just this weird crazy guy that shoots everyone, and like he's like why why is he crazy all of a sudden? Like why is he like I, like this? Even if he's not crazy, why does he act crazy? <laughs> like, it's just, it's like he's, the like the warriors, like that first line he comes, like he's like a horror villain. Mm-hmm. And it felt tonally at odds with what this, the rest of the show was doing at times. Like, I never felt menaced by him. Like, for all, like all the, like Cottonmouth was just a dude. There mm-hmm. were moments where I was like, oh, he's going to do something. And I felt yeah. like, and, but with Diamondback, I'm like, well, yeah, he'll probably murder some people, but whatever. It doesn't, it does, it felt like it meant less because it's just like, mm. oh, I'm crazy. I don't know. Iron Fist is next or Punisher. I wonder which the, I think Iron Fist is actually when they're going to release next. I'm Jessica, looking forward Jessica, to both of those. Or Jessica Jones too. And then if there's another, I think they're doing one more and then Defenders. They're do, they have to introduce Iron Fist before Defenders. I'm not sure if they're doing Punisher before Defenders. I think they're doing Punisher before Defenders because Punisher, I think, is still is filming. So I imagine they'll be releasing Punisher at some point. Okay, Luke Cage, talk over. Mm-hmm. We can move on to our final segment. It is time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part of the show Eric and I assign a longer collected work generally and discuss it like you would a book club. This week we are discussing Tetris, the games people play by Box Brown. Uh, it is a, we we read his last book. That was about it was a long, almost a hundred episodes ago. Yeah, it seemed like it was just you know yesterday. Yeah, how time flies. Um, I I was a little surprised by this book. How so? It got a little. It was broader than I expected. Yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking when I was reading the first uh, you know a couple pages of this book. I was like. This book isn't about fucking Tetris. <laughs> I'm like, how much of this book is going to be this weird? I don't know. It was almost like stream of consciousness because you don't realize kind of what he's building here. Like they're just saying so much stuff that has nothing to do with like the direct characters. It's all really interesting and I'm glad that it's there, but it's, I don't know. Like, that huge section about Gunpei Yokoi and Nintendo as a card company. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, this is stuff that I knew a little bit about. Yeah. Like I, I had heard the, the Nintendo, um, philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd heard that. I had, I knew who Gunpei Yokoi was. I don't know. I, I, I knew a little bit about all of this stuff, but taking a deep dive into all this stuff was really a lot of fun. The I'm, fact that they made the, those, they made those light gun games back in the seventies is kind of awesome. I, I wonder if it was just during, during his research for this, he just discovered this and it was like, I need to include this stuff. I want to include this background. Yeah. And then I, I, I see that like, even as a book that is called Tetris, I understand why it's in here because it colors the environment in which Tetris, Tetris 
exploded. You know, like you understand kind of like mm-hmm. the context for the environment about where these where video games are, where Nintendo yeah. is. I mean, like and like he, I think he really wanted to demonstrate that. Yes, the Nintendo's the first NES was and the Game Boy were the, was the reason that the te- that Tetris like Tetris was popular before that, but when it was on Nintendo, it was a phenomenon. Right. I was I was ex- expecting more about uh, the creator of Tetris. I I mean, but I it I makes, was as well. It's uh, but it makes sense because the book's called Tetris. Yeah. It's not about it's not necessarily only about him. It's about the game. It's just really clear from reading this that what's interesting about the story is all the weird shit that happened around him. Mm-hmm. You know, he just sort of let Pandora out of the box and everything went friggin' crazy. And it, it, I don't know. It's, it's I am kind of obsessed with um, like the you know recent history, the recent history of technology, mm-hmm. and basically anything like this, I love. It it fascinates me. I mean, any, even I mean anything twentieth century talking about old technology is amazing to me. So like every word of this, I just eager, I just devoured. It was so so fun. Every single bit of it's so great. I really like the the I the thing I certainly it did deliver, and what was something I was expecting was developing a video game. In the Soviet Union, right, and the the crazy bureaucracy of yes. trying to have these companies work with a yeah. communist country, which technically owns the game, mm-hmm. and the miscommunication and the these business people that don't know what they're like, and the shady stuff that Russia, Soviet Union, does to to make sure they get more money, like. It's that that is interesting. Plus, seeing it doesn't do a lot of it in this, but just seeing people still not understanding why certain games are good, business people mm-hmm. not understanding why certain games are good. That moment where they're like, "No, we're we're we're, we're focusing on blasteroids." No, the the yeah, Jesus. <laughs> no, I mean, it's an interesting thing. The the sort of dance of uh, creative people and business people, mm-hmm. which is a lot because of this, this sh- a lot of yeah. this book is is like these. Hey, I want to license this thing for P- PC, but only in Japan. I'm like, what? No, you get coin op rights, but then the other person gets console rights, but only in the UK. I'm like, what? Hmm? Yeah. Always wondered what the hell Elorg meant. Elorg. Elorg. And a teletype machine. Fucking teletype machine. The guy had. Why to... don't you? Why don't you just text him? <laughs> I mean, that's what a teletype is, right? Yeah. So... Send them an email. <laughs> and how much? Te- how technology makes everything so much easier now? Uh-huh. How m- more connected we are? They're like, this is not that long ago. No. And like, of course, it doesn't help that one of the like the guy who created the game is was in the Soviet Union, uh-huh. so it was kind of occluded, you know, hidden. The world has changed pretty tremendously in the 30 years since this. Yeah, it really has. Like, it's it's so weird to think of Cold War America and and, and uh, the USSR. Or that there was a USSR? Mm-hmm. 
That's also not a thing anymore. No, not a thing. I and like I, I find it like the there is a, a section here where it's like, oh, and America is starting to warm up a little bit to the Soviet Union, and they want to see more of the culture there, and so Tetris becomes Soviet culture. Mm-hmm. But it's really not. Like all they did was put pictures of the Kremlin in the background and add some Russian folk music. Like it's a puzzle game. There's no, I don't, I don't think there's any. It's based off of a Russian, uh, what was it called? Pen, well, those pen, aren't, that's uh, not pen something. Pen, a pentomino, but those are not, that's not a, necessarily a Russian puzzle, I think. I think those are more widespread. You know, they're sh- shaped puzzles. I mean, you can still, like, they, they, uh, I was, it made me think of The Witness as well, because, which I played, the puzzle game that came out this year, because there's a long mm-hmm. section in that, which includes tetrominoes in the puzzles. And it's like, that is still like the I I think the part I like the most in this is like games and culture and what where they lie in here mm-hmm. like where games kind of fit and how they how important they are like you go thousands of years in the past and there's and people play games mm-hmm. yeah it's like they we've always been doing it like those dice made from sheep bones yeah. Sheep knuckles, whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a direct link between, uh, I mean, this is why children play animals mm-hmm. too. It's, it's, uh, directly tied into brain development and learning. And he talks about the prefrontal cortex and how that stimulates it. I mean, it, 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 it makes a lot of sense. What do you think about the colors in this? You mean the black and the yellow? Those colors. Those two colors. Those two colors. I think it's very interesting. And I think that um, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the simple drawings and I was thinking about the ways that the story is told. Uh, and that it... I bet Box Brown did a lot of zines at one point. Would you agree with that statement? Before I that, t- with, before with, I hit with, enter on Google, I'm gonna think yeah. I'm gonna say I agree that he probably has, but we're gonna find out. Okay, Imi- I'm I'm betting he's done many images for Brock Brown zines. Yes, <laughs> I mean it's pretty obvious. Yes, he has. Yeah, yeah, it has that in that kind of that comics with an X kind of feeling. It has the DIY zine feeling in it the, mm-hmm. the, you know the, like the arrows and i don't know the the i don't know how you describe it it that's kind of where i'm at too that it's challenging for me to explain what it is about this that feels zany no i agree with you and i feel like i mean it's no like, i but that's the thing that it's so hard to articulate that it's something about the combination of the almost naive straightforwardness of the storytelling uh, and also kind of like a weird kind of like innocence and niceness to the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the same way with uh, I, I, it's a weird feeling that that also uh, the, the Andre the Giant book had. And it's it's charming and very it's like folk arty. Yeah, it's optimistic. Yes. Which I know a lot about Andre the Giant. I know a lot about Tetris before I read either of those books. There are parts of their lives not necessarily that were optimistic. Mm-hmm. 
like a dude who creates like this mega selling game who gets no money from it until years after the fact like that you there's an you could easily paint that picture as being not optimistic you know you you could make it like hey there's a guy trapped behind the iron curtain and his creation is kind of out of his control like there's a way to spin this story in a completely different direction and andre the giant's life while very interesting is also really dark at times which i feel like the andre book is a little darker than this one just Mm -hmm. like in just those kind of bits about like his like a children that he doesn't know and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's, I I feel like it is something inherent to box Brown that he tries to like it, it it naturally as a storyteller, he makes things lighter, more positive. Yeah. And makes this, and it makes the story more appealing, more charming. Why yellow? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, the colors have, Tremendous contrast, and maybe it's a throwback to the um, the monitors, like where the, where the the game was created. I mean, that's a, a monitor color scheme, you know, black and in that sort of yellowish color. There were certainly monitors with that color scheme, also the green ones. I mean, that I, it's hard for me to say outside of that. I don't know, and there's no shades of it either. It doesn't seem like there's any half tones of the yellow, that it's all just flat yellow, flat black, and white, all unmixed. It's interesting. It's almost, I don't know, it's almost like that was a rule of his as he was making this, you know? Yeah. That uh, that there's, it, it, it was like a creative puzzle for him. It's very striking. It is. I mean, yellow and black are the most contrasting colors there are. That's why your streets are painted yellow and black. Yeah, that makes sense. Doesn't seem like there's a to me. I don't see a much a big difference between the like his characters between this and Andre. The drawing, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's very simple. I wonder. I mean, the characters are recognizable from each other. Yeah, but I do wonder like how recognizable they are compared to the uh, the actual way they look. Yeah, I don't. I think since. That most people are never going to know how most of these people actually look. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a huge concern, you know, for him yeah. at least. Like, he's just like, well, like, as long as they're distinct from each other and they communicate what I want, they don't need to be, you know, like good likenesses necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about that simplicity that, that adds to that appeal. I think you mentioned that actually. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, the sort of naive look to it or the folk artiness of it. And I mean, I would bet that if box Brown actually sat down and like you made him draw stuff, he could probably draw really well. Right. Um, it's just, but it's just kind of, it's just not what his comics are about. No, this, they're not about like how, look how great I can draw. Look how mm-hmm. lifelike this is or whatever. Or it's just very much like here is this interesting story told in this interesting way, uh, told with a lot of charm and appeal. Uh, and like I think like I, uh, whenever you mention the zines and like trying to like actually explain what it is about the storytelling that makes you think of that. I don't know. It's a certain density of information in that kind of simple and like even naive in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, well, 
I want to communicate all this information. And like if it was if I was telling if I was using like doing fiction, I probably wouldn't just have a block of text next to a Game Boy. Yeah. But it's nonfiction and like it it works in the same way like a Brandon Graham like it has it feels that same way where he'll like Brandon Graham will just have like here's an inventory of items yeah. this dude has and here's like text boxes next to every single thing to tell you what they are. And like I don't know why I I love that every time he does it. I think it's a, it's the same appeal that this has. It's very much like mm-hmm. you could have you could do like it kind of flies often in the face of show don't tell kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it also is a very creative like it is using this this genre this medium in the way that you can't in a book. Like in a book, you just have to be li- like these are the things in this guy's backpack, and it just have a list, but. By having each of those things on the page and you can add character by drawing those things in distinct weird ways. And I think it's even saying something about like you're, you're not at the same time. It may be flying like it, it's technically like expository, expository kind of thing, mm. but it doesn't like, I don't know. It's nonfiction. It, it doesn't, it feels like that is all this is really like that is what nonfiction is like the best nonfiction writers make it feel like it isn't, but this is, I feel like the, do you think he takes any kind of, uh, 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 what's the word? I can't think of the word. Takes any. Are you looking for the word liberties? Liberties. Thank you. You're reading my mind. Takes any liberties with the facts. And like, do you think he like, no, this will make this much easier. So I'm not going to include it. I don't, it doesn't feel like it. Hmm. I mean, he may not. I mean, include, honestly, it's not include no, certain uh, things, but no, I think there is probably some some things that are not included, and I, I'm trying to think here. I, um, I mean, you can only fit so much into this book, right? And I think that you can only. It's a fairly tight narrative, despite all the messiness. You know, like yeah. there's definitely some parts in the middle and towards the end where it's like, holy crap, this is so confusing. But it feels like he's trying to he's trying to communicate that this is really crazy and really confusing. Like it's supposed to communicate chaos. Yes. With the those multiple businessmen, all meetings all at the same time and like mm-hmm. who has the rights to what and who has to pay who to who, what to who and all that. Like, yes, it is. It's, it is confusing for the sake of confusing. It is intentionally, like, I, I think that is another strong suit of this book in that it is, it achieves what it's going for. You know, it's not, it's, it's reach does not exceed its grasp. It, it knows, he knows what he's doing. He knows, like, he knows what story he wants to tell. And, and despite the density, it reads really fast. Yeah, it does. I, I could not put it down. I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot of it's just his strength of, as a storyteller mm-hmm. and then like, I feel like he chooses projects he himself is, has interest in. Like, I feel like he told that Andre the Giant story because he thought Andre the Giant was an interesting character. And I think he chose this story because he, he saw that the, the, everything surrounding Tetris yeah. was, in, was interesting. And it's, ha- it, there's definitely a lot of passionate decision making here. There's. The stuff that he's noticing in the story and the, what he's crafted here 
I I bet Box Brown's a really neat dude to talk to. I I, I bet we could have hours of conversation with him. Yeah, I'm, I I would love to meet him. I I had a I had a chance at when we moved to South Florida. Mm-hmm. He was at a Miami book festival, but it was incredibly inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, here you go. Drive an hour down 95, pay $30 to park, stand in 100-degree heat for who knows, and then have a five-minute conversation. Like, well, I do want to meet Box Brown. I don't want to do all those other things. Yeah. Especially drive 95 into Miami. Mm. Do not miss that. A few times I did that. No, thank you. It's like Hank Rogers, the hero of this book. Yeah, kind of. He's pretty great. He is. I like his name. I think my favorite thing about this is the company that was creating pirate uh, NES chips. I love that. Tengen. Yeah. That's so awesome. I mean, that you... That is, it's still happening in this more abstract way, you know, Mm -hmm. pirates, they're still, China in particular, China is like, like it's, that's an interest, like there's nothing really to do with this book, but the fact, like the, the, the kind of economy of video games in places that there are like, like Iran in Mm -hmm. like, like places like that where like up until recently, like sometimes consoles aren't allowed until like in like, so the only market for those games is pirating software. And then suddenly like all those restrictions are lifted and people can get video game consoles. The game companies may not be able to even sell games there because they can't make any money because everyone steals because that's what they've had to do for decades. Yeah. That's also, that's really interesting to me. I kind of want to see if I could buy one of these things. It also makes me want to try and track down uh, Tetris for DOS and see if I can get it running in DOS box. All this stuff fascinates me so much. Gunpei Yokoi was way cooler than I thought he was. He's such a weird dude. Yeah. That's so, like, every bit of that was just, like, absolutely fascinating. And it's, that's the, that's one of the fun things about this is, like, you see these names and, like, you have a general idea about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had seen, I can't tell you how many times I'd seen Gunpei Yokoi, you know, and I, I had read some things about him shortly after he died. I remember, I seem to remember it happening. And then, you know, the internet and actually being able to read about some of these people and they talk about Shigeru Miyamoto. I don't know. He became much more of a celebrity. Right. What, the past 10 years? Would you say it went back further Even, than that? Yeah, further than that. It, I mean, he's since the mid nineties, probably. Well, well, I know that he has been an important figure since then, but like there wasn't really any, there was no way for him to really have celebrity. I mean, he wasn't in Nintendo power. No, no, I mean like, there, there, no, were, there I, were no real channels for it. No, if you, I actually was watching, uh, some guys, they were talking about, uh, there's a program called Electric Playground, mm-hmm. which was created by a couple of dudes who, were in the gaming industry and then they started making this show about the gaming industry. And so it's the 90s thing that is ever, mm-hmm. you watch it and it's like, oh my lord, this is the, the 1997-est thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But <laughs> they, they, there's a long segment with Shigeru, in the very first episode of the show, there's a long segment with Shigeru Miyamoto. So 
Like it, I don't, I think that the internet certainly has shown a spotlight more on certain people that didn't, but I feel like Miyamoto always had a certain cachet just because Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. He made he made Mario, man. Yeah, I know. Donkey Kong. It means stubborn gorilla. <laughs> Only a Japanese person would think that. I would. I don't know. It's. I don't think you have to be. Itch- I like. I think both of us already have inherent interest in a lot of things that are covered in this book, so it was an easy mm-hmm. sell. But I would. I mean, it's a solid comic, regardless if you have interest in Tetris or. Or, or Nintendo or like or video games in, in, inherently. I feel like it, it, he does a good enough job at telling this story that it makes it interesting and compelling to anyone. I wish I could draw stuff like this, this simple, and have it be as interesting as this book is. It's a talent mm-hmm. and a skill. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So that was Tetris, Games People Play by Box Brown. Heartily suggested. Two thumbs up from both of us. Next week, we are doing The Vision, the last issue of Tom King and Gabriel Hernandez-Walta's Vision comes out by the time you're hearing this, tomorrow probably, or already has come out. And we, I, I've been waiting to talk about this whole, I've been reading this entire time, Eric is not, I've been waiting to talk about this, this thing the whole time. I am so excited about it. It has been my favorite comic for the past year. <laughs> we are going to talk about it. I, I hope this episode doesn't last like a, a, the episode might be three hours long. If Eric can ever make me shut up. Um, I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, it is so good. Um, uh, can't wait till next week. hope you guys read along with us. Uh, that'll draw this episode to close. We are the handsome boys comics hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour, on Twitter at hbchour. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. Reach out to us any of those places, like, follow, you know, all those good words. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at mixmastercereal, that's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Excellent. You can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. That includes my poster store. You can see most of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram, where I'm known as EasyGoodnight, and my Twitter, where I'm at MrBadExample, spelled M-R-BadExample. With that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. (laughs) 